and welcome to The Family Planning Files, a podcast from the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning. The National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning is one of the training centers funded through the Office of Population Affairs to provide programming to enhance the knowledge of Title X and other family planning staff. I'm your host, Katherine Atchison. In response to the emergence of the novel coronavirus now known as SARS-CoV-2 that causes COVID-19 infections, the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning has been producing an ongoing series of podcast episodes related to issues around the provision of family planning services while COVID-19 is still present throughout the U.S. and U.S. territories. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the condition known as Long COVID or Post-COVID-19 Syndrome. Our guest today is Dr. Mighty Enriquez. PhD, APRN, FAAN. Dr. Enriquez began her nursing career in 1985 after completing a BSN from Webster University. She earned her MSN in 1993 and PhD in 2002, both from the University of Missouri, Kansas City. She then completed a postdoctoral fellowship focused on the prevention and management of chronic health conditions. Dr. Enriquez also earned a graduate certificate of public health from the University of Missouri in Columbia in 2014. She currently serves as the Graduate Program Director at the Research College of Nursing in Kansas City, Missouri, and as a clinician at Infectious Disease Associates of Kansas City, where she focuses on serving the Spanish-speaking population of Kansas City. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Enriquez. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you. Thank you for that nice introduction. I would also like to add, I think the most important thing for your listeners is that I'm in practice as an infectious disease nurse practitioner with a very large group of infectious disease providers. And in total, between all of us, we've cared for over 140,000 unique adult individuals over the last year with COVID-19 disease. So I feel that our practice group has a lot of experience that hopefully will benefit your listeners today. Fantastic. So to get started, what is called long COVID or post-COVID syndrome, and how can it manifest? So post-acute COVID-19 syndrome, which some people call long COVID, occurs in patients that are recovering or who have had COVID. So everyone with post-acute COVID-19 syndrome must have had COVID-19 infections. Keep in mind that some people with COVID-19 infection are asymptomatic. So the manifestations are that after a person has COVID-19 infection, then they have persistent symptoms. The manifestations of long COVID, if you will, predominantly are fatigue. Patients will have also pulmonary and neurologic and cardiac symptoms. In clinical practice, you know, you can look at the literature, of course, and see what's listed. And that's pretty much how clinical practice is being mirrored. We see patients with complaints of fatigue, which is the chief complaint usually, sleep difficulties, anxiety, symptoms of depression. Now, some of those, I think sometimes the anxiety and depression may come from some of the other pulmonary, neurologic, and cardiac manifestations that people are experiencing, and also the uncertainty of, you know, we don't really know what the medium and long-term health consequences are of survivors of COVID-19 disease. There's a lot of unknowns, and this makes for a lot of uncertainty and anxiety. How widespread is post-acute COVID syndrome? And can we expect numbers to increase over the next several months? I would say that post-COVID-19 syndrome is very very widespread, depending on which study you look at. There are studies that report in the 
80 plus percent range of patients who have had COVID who then experience persistent symptoms. Other studies show 50%, but pretty much every study I looked at before doing this podcast, the numbers are high as far as expecting the numbers to grow. Well, you know, that's going to depend on how many more people acquire COVID-19 infection or SARS-CoV-2 infection. Obviously, a person cannot get post COVID-19 syndrome unless they've had an infection with SARS-CoV-2. So I think that second question about can we expect to see more cases is going to be very dependent on how many more cases there are of COVID-19 disease. What are the demographics of those affected? Are there particular populations that seem to have higher rates of post-COVID syndrome? Well, we know that the most impacted subgroups in the United States of COVID-19 disease are black and brown individuals. As far as predictors, if you're asking me about predictors, clinical features that are predictors of post-COVID-19 syndrome, again, we don't have a lot of data, but the studies that have come out, there was a recent study that came out in January out of Spain, and there were no baseline clinical features that were predictors. There was no statistical significance. So I can tell you again, just from clinical practice, that there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. I mean, I've seen people with post-COVID syndrome, young, healthy college students, young adults, all the way to older adults. I personally haven't seen anything and I don't see anything in the literature that really different from predictors of serious COVID-19 disease. Now, those we have, but predictors of who will and who will not have post-COVID-19 syndrome, I don't know that we know that yet. A clinician sees a patient in clinic who has had COVID. What should the clinician look for as possible diagnosing factors or signs or symptoms when someone presents with a possible case of long COVID? First, of course, you have to establish that the person has had COVID-19. I will tell you that I've seen some patients that have had COVID-19 disease but never had an initial SARS-CoV-2 PCR test, either because it wasn't available or they had COVID at the beginning of the pandemic when there was very little testing available, especially in this part of the country. So to establish first that the patient has indeed had COVID-19 disease, either from a positive PCR or an antibody, a SARS-CoV-2 IgG. And then it's a compilation of symptoms. And again, what we see most often in our clinical practice is fatigue. It's like you hear the same story over and over. Patients describe fatigue where they're tired one day and they feel pretty good the next day. So they do a little more and then the next day they're wiped out. Patients report headaches. Some patients report shortness of air, blood pressure issues. Some patients report runs of tachycardia. I mean, it's kind of like this nonspecific set of symptoms. For me, the key is, well, they didn't have these symptoms before they had COVID. And now they have COVID and now they have these symptoms or they present with all these symptoms and they're, we're an infectious disease specialty. So they're referred to us for instance, for chronic fatigue or, you know, primary care provider is looking for an answer. I just do a SARS-CoV-2 IgG on those patients. And we've had some that indeed they turn out antibody positive and they didn't realize they had like a mild case of COVID or a perhaps an asymptomatic case. I don't know, because, you know, 
hindsight, you don't get everything. But that's what we're seeing. I have to say, once you hear the description several times from several patients, it becomes pretty clear. Once a patient comes in with post-COVID syndrome, what can the clinician do to help the patient or what advice or counseling can they give the patient to help with them? Well, that's probably the most challenging part of this post-COVID-19 syndrome is we don't really have a lot to offer people. We don't really fully understand this phenomenon. It's being studied, of course. We don't have a treatment, if you will, for post-COVID-19 syndrome. So what we do is I end up treating the symptoms. So because there can be serious sequelae of COVID-19 disease, if the patient, depending on their symptoms, you know, we might send them for a cardiology consult, a neurology consult, a behavioral health consult, a pulmonary consult, you know, we're seeing now some post-COVID manifestations that are thought to perhaps be cardiomyopathy, for example. So, you know, that's not something we want to just ignore and say, oh, with time, you'll get better. Now, I will say that it appears that time is what helps patients the most. And so once we've established, you know, for instance, if they have cardiac symptoms and they've had a cardiology consult and everything checks out fine, then the next step is to wait. Sometimes patients have to go on antihypertensives. I mean, it just depends on what's going on. The symptoms are, are quite broad and varied. And for patients, I think it's very frustrating. And post-COVID-19 syndrome is real and it can be very debilitating. And I think for some people, just dealing with all that and then also dealing with the fact that, you know, there is still this kind of myth out there. I hear people say that COVID-19, oh, it's like the flu, but it's not like the flu because we know that 90% of people that have influenza fully recover within two weeks of their positive influenza test, but this is not the case with COVID-19 disease. So we're battling a lot of issues here. About how long after a COVID infection does it take for post-COVID syndrome to really manifest? I don't know how to answer that for a patient that maybe was asymptomatic or didn't even realize they had a mild case of COVID. For people who know they have COVID, the way they present typically is with persistent symptoms like, oh, I had fevers, I had cough, I got better, but now I still have fatigue, I still, you know, I have these headaches. I, some people, it's like I still have shortness of air most of the time. It's like these persistent symptoms that just never go away. As I said earlier, different from a person that has, for example, influenza, that gets influenza, they get diagnosed, they may or may not be hospitalized, but they recover. They don't have persistent symptoms, if that makes sense. One of the really big things going on right now are the vaccination campaigns throughout the U.S. After Um, this, I'm going to volunteer in the COVID-19 vaccine clinic at our hospital. (laughs) Fantastic. Can't wait for mine. Um, One of the really big things going on right now is all the vaccine campaigns throughout the United States. What would you say to a patient who comes in with long COVID symptoms who is expressing a concern about the vaccine or isn't sure if they should get vaccinated? What advice would you give clinicians so they can counsel those patients? We are advising people who have had COVID to go ahead and get vaccinated. There are people who have some hesitancy 
especially if they're still having post-COVID-19 symptoms, that the vaccine also has side effects and might also give them some side effects in addition to their symptoms. But we are advising people to go ahead and have the vaccine. We are currently kind of feel like we're in a race between the vaccine and the variants, the new variants of SARS-CoV-2 that started in some other countries that are now here are thought to be more contagious and are thought to be they are more contagious They might have other manifestations. For example, the UK variant is thought to have more affinity for ACE2 receptors, which could result in cardiac manifestations such as cardiomyopathy. So all those things are things to think about. I have had patients ask me, well, I've already had COVID, so why take the vaccine? I already have antibody. But, you know, there are cases reported of people who have had COVID, for example, in other countries and then are reinfected with a variant. So it's a long answer. But yes, we're advising people to go ahead and get vaccinated. More generally, what are some of the biggest challenges in treating patients who present with long COVID or post-COVID syndrome? So as far as the challenges in treating patients with acute post-COVID-19 syndrome, the biggest challenge is probably that there are a lot of questions and few answers at this point. I think we'll learn more as we go along. We don't have a treatment specifically for post-COVID-19 syndrome. We need a multidisciplinary approach, but I mean, I'm not aware, at least in in my community, of a post-COVID-19 clinic, if you will, that's multidisciplinary. So what we tend to do is we treat and consult depending on the symptoms. So for instance, if what someone has is pulmonary manifestations of post-COVID-19 syndrome, well, that person is going to be followed by a pulmonologist, for example. That's what patients, I think, are experiencing, that we are sending them out to the various different specialists. I am told in other cities there are specific multidisciplinary clinics for post-COVID, but I don't know of one, at least not in my community right now. I hope we will have one. I hope we will do better at prevention so that we don't have to have that and we can just end this pandemic. Does long COVID or post-acute COVID syndrome present any challenges for treating patients who are seeking contraception care, preconception care and counseling, or other Title X services? For contraception, I would say no. I don't see any contraindications. For preconception, I don't think there's a lot of data out there. There is some new data out about surgery post-COVID, which is the recommendation is to wait seven weeks post-COVID. And I'm not talking post-COVID-19 syndrome. I'm talking post-COVID period before having surgery. I don't know of any data with regard to how long to wait to become pregnant. I can just say from my own experience in treating patients, I'm not sure that I would recommend to a patient to consider becoming pregnant until their post-COVID-19 symptoms have totally resolved. I don't think just from my own personal experience that having post-COVID syndrome and then also being pregnant, I think could be quite difficult due to some of the you know symptoms that pregnant women experience. We are recommending women get vaccinated. If they're considering getting pregnant, we recommend they get the vaccine or even if they're pregnant to go ahead and get vaccinated. So the science around long COVID, all of the new information, the new studies coming out, sometimes it can feel a little bit like trying to take a drink from a fire hose. But where would you advise clinicians to go to learn more about post-COVID syndrome or 
find new information about it. So my favorite website is the IDSA, Infectious Disease Society of America, which is idsociety.org. If you're not a member, you can still access about 90% of all the information on there. They have a specific site about post-COVID syndrome. It has a lot of links to articles. Of course, there's a lot of articles coming out in preprint. And I agree, it can be difficult to know exactly where to look. But, you know, look at reputable journals, reputable research centers. The CDC, of course, has a lot of information on their website. Well, this has been a really great and informative conversation, but unfortunately, our time is running a little short today. So before you go, would you give us your top takeaways? Sure. Post-COVID-19 syndrome is common. It can occur even after mild COVID-19 disease. The length is unpredictable. Post-COVID-19 syndrome can substantially negatively impact quality of life. Some of the manifestations can be serious. I think my number one message, though, to clinicians is encourage people to get vaccinated because you won't get post-COVID-19 syndrome if you don't get COVID-19 infection. So I think that would be my top message is we all need to focus on prevention of COVID-19 disease. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, Dr. Enriquez, and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, including previous episodes about COVID-19, search for the Family Planning Files podcast or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcfp.org. You can also follow the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning's social media on Twitter at NCTCFP, all lowercase, and sign up for a monthly newsletter, Clinical Connections, on our website. This training is supported by DHHS Grant Number 5 FPTPA. 0060290030. The contents of this podcast solely represent the views of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs or OPA. No official support or endorsement of DHHS. OASH and or OPA for the opinions described in this podcast is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of the Family Planning Files.